back in the 80s, I thought I could conquer the world. <laughs> I came pretty damn close. I was so hopped up on cocaine and revenge. <laughs> I spent months terrorizing a teenager over a high school karate tournament. <laughs> it sounds insane just talking about it. He's back. We knew he'd be back. He's he's back. Have, have you been waiting for this moment your whole life, bad way? Oh, you know what? Yeah. Ever since I was a little child, I dreamed of the day Terry Silver raises his one more time. Here we are. The return of the ponytail, right? That's what That's we right. could what we could say. So we got a little surprise for people here. We have two special guests on the show, which we'll we'll introduce in a second. But just want to welcome everybody back to the Last Row Podcast. This is another bonus episode for Cobra Kai, primarily focused on season four, but maybe we'll call it the resurrection of, of Terry Silver here. Uh, like before that. we get into the episode, if you're looking for the website, thelastrowpodcast.com, follow us on Twitter, at The Last Row Pod. Check out our Facebook page. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser. Thanks to everybody that left one so far. So, Chris, Ken, welcome to The Last Row Podcast. Chris, welcome back. Ken, welcome to, to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to have you guys uh, on the show with us talking a little Cobra Kai. And uh, we're excited. Chris, before we, you recorded, you called this the Terry Silver Brain Trust. And I think you know this is <laughs> this is the group of, of Terry Silver enthusiasts. And we're all together to talk about the man himself. It, it's either the Terry Silver Brain Trust or Terry Silver Anonymous. I'm not sure which <laughs> <Yeah>. one yet. <laughs> we, is that we, a problem we yet? We're, yeah. we're not sure if it's a problem yet. It might be, it might be forming a problem. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, this is the bonus episode, Cobra Kai, Season 4, The Resurrection of Terry Silver, directed by a lot of people in the martial arts drama department. Season 4 finds the Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang Dojos joining forces to take down Cobra Kai at the All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament. And whoever loses must hang up their gi. Is it gis? 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 I I guess it's gi. Geese? As as Samantha and Miguel try to maintain the Dojo Alliance and Robbie goes all in at Cobra Kai, the fate of the Valley has never been more precarious. There's like a black cloud over the entire <laughs> town as this thing is going on, you guys. Silver cloud. Yeah. So, a silver, so, cloud, silver yeah. cloud. An <laughs> ominous silver cloud. What tricks does Kreese have up his sleeve? Can Daniel and Johnny bury their decades decades long hatchet to defeat crease or will cobra kai become the face of karate in the valley I, I, when you said decades you know, long hatchet i was thinking like a like a, just a, a hatchet that's like extremely <laughs> like literally like a just long the hatchet. longest hatchet you've the ever seen hatchet of all time dude you skip the scores we gotta we gotta get yeah. people <laughs> yeah give the people what they want the guys score imdb 8.45 out of 10 too high too low too low too low, too too low. low. <laughs> too low. Rotten Tomato, 95%. Too low. Too low. Too low. Too low. <laughs> Metacritic, 70%. Way what too a bunch low. of hacks. Yeah. <laughs> Hack critic. Way too low. And uh, Letterbox is a big old question mark. Um, but but Drew, we liked did you it. like it. Well, I liked like it. it. You liked it. Okay, I liked good. it. Did you? <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> I, I, so this had some taglines too. And I was, I mean, obviously everyone's going to know these. You guys give me the rating for, for the taglines here. We'll, we'll just open it up to everybody here. But. The most obvious one, right? 
now the real pain begins. It's a nice little throwback there, right? That's a good one. Instant 10 out of 10. I mean, yeah, yeah. 10 out of 10 for that. Yeah. Where <laughs> exactly. else do you go? No need for others. Yeah. No exactly. For others. Uh, and then fight for the soul of the valley. I don't, they don't even need that after they go with the other one, you know? No. It's, it's, right. it's, also, it's also strong, but I mean, what are you going to do? Exactly. You know, technically, now the real pain begins kind of fits like maybe the last few episodes. So that's kind of yeah. almost the, the tagline for season five, maybe. Yes. Yeah, actually. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> uh, financials, who the hell knows? Netflix doesn't disclose any, or maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, we just don't have any, but I'm going to say that they did not spare any expense on this budget. And I'm pretty happy about that as a person who's now paying $20 a month for Netflix. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're lucky they have this show. <laughs> that uh, season four was like in their top 10 for, I think, at least 10 days. Yeah. And then it was out of the top 10. And there was a report that just came out that said just the past week, not its most popular week, uh, that series was viewed 52 times more than the average stream series. Really? Wow. It doesn't surprise me. It's getting, I mean, it got a hell of a lot of buzz and especially the move to Netflix, they didn't spare on the marketing budget. And with the return of obviously Terry, it's a huge, huge hype machine going into that. And, you know, they definitely... I would I would like to think they got a lot of subscribers from it too. I'm sure that it boosted their numbers in terms of, of how that worked. Um, I pay the Terry tax. That, yeah. That's when I subscribe <laughs> to Netflix. Dude, and that's that's the thing. Like having Netflix, it's like if you want to watch this, it's not like you can buy the Blu-ray or something. Like you you have to, you know, you're you're basically at least that I'm aware of, it's like you're paying to to watch this when you want to, right? Oh, they release them on DVD, but it's Do like they? a year later. Yeah. 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 And only DVD. Yeah. yeah. See? What's up with that? Come on now. Mm. What year is this? Uh, um, so awards. So I saw that. So there's there's two awards. At least and maybe there's one. I think I saw one today about the score, like a original score for a, a, a drama series or something. The one that I saw when I was doing the notes for this was that uh, it's got a SAG award nomination for outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in a comedy or drama series, which is a very specific category there. Uh, highly specific. I think that probably definitely has a good shot at winning. Uh, and then the other one that I saw, and you guys, I mean, this is just a, this is just a given, but it's also been nominated by the Last Road Podcast for the Greatest Actor of All Time Award, Thomas Ian Griffith. <laughs> yep. I think uh, in the history of the Last Row Podcast, this is the most deserving nomination of all time yeah. for the greatest <laughs> actor of all time. We found him. We found the greatest actor. Yeah. Yes. Thomas Ian Griffith. We found him. You know, it took us a while. We got to it. There he is. First and last. And I mean, Bowie, we named an award after him. I mean, it's the Terry Silver Villain of the Year award, I mean, so it's it's that's very prestigious. So we should right? send him like something. We should send him a plaque or something, you know? <laughs> Dude, we should. I think, yo, we should do that. I would get that made up. Go down to Palmer Trophy. Yeah. <laughs> like, where do you get Thomas C. and Griffith's anniversary? We just send it to the Ennis House and hope that he lives there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna send it to to his fake address. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, before, before we get into it, you know, if you guys aren't familiar with the two guests on the show, we haven't had a ton of guests on the show, but Chris joined me for, uh, one of the episodes that we did on Cobra Kai as sort of a series that was, um, was out the one day and, and Chris graciously, you know, volunteered to come on here and, and talk Cobra Kai with me. There's nobody else I could think of that would do that. And Chris actually introduced me to Ken's YouTube channel. So, you know, Ken just joining us too, but I don't know, Ken and Chris, maybe Ken, if you want to start, just introduce yourself to the listeners if they're not familiar with who you are, and uh, then we can get into the episode, and then Chris will get, we'll go with you too. 
Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Ken Cole. I, uh, I'm a filmmaker and I have a YouTube channel. And last year I made, on a whim, a video called Why Terry Silver Rocks. And that unexpectedly blew up. Apparently, there's so many Terry Silver fans, some of whom I'm talking with right now and some of you who are listening. Um, so it's been great to connect with everyone. And I've made a whole slew of Terry Silver and Cobra Kai and Karate Kid videos. Um, I've also done, you know, other films and documentaries and things before, but, um, it's a great honor to speak again with Drew and Badway and a great honor to uh, speak with Chris for the first time. I'm so, I'm so flattered that Chris, uh, uh connected me with, uh, the last row podcast. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. Chris, if people aren't familiar, if, if this is your first time, Chris, why don't you say a couple words about yourself too? Uh, I'm Chris. I really like Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid. <laughs> uh, I also do a podcast, but don't worry about that. I don't know. I make music too, but don't worry about that either. Let's let's talk about Terry Silver. <laughs> he, he, he's downplaying how good he is at all these things. So you know. So, but uh, that way, I don't know anything you want to say about yourself for for people who don't know you. You know, so or me. Uh, like, I'm hi, I'm Bad Way. I do a podcast. You're listening to it now. I and, like Terry uh, Silver very poorly. I might add so. Uh, let's get let's get to the Terry Silver of it all. Let's that was it. the real the real talent on this show here, not not me. So, uh, but yeah, so so let's just dive right into it. You guys noticed I didn't correct them. Yes, yeah, yeah, I had the talent. <laughs> let's just dive right into it. So, there's obviously been a lot of hype for this thing. We've been talking about Terry Silver on this show since 2015 in our lives since like 1980 something, right? So it's it's been a long time. But going into season four, everybody knew that he was going to come back. So I'm just going to ask you guys. We'll get maybe to the overall impression at the end. I'll, I'll skip that for now, but maybe I'll, I'll start with with maybe I'll start with Ken. Ken, did this live up to the hype? Did it live up to what you you were hyping it? We can go into all the details about that as we go through right. this, but just generally speaking, did it did it live up to what you were expecting? I mean, uh, my expectations were very high, and I'd say on the whole, yeah, I was I was very happy. I was very entertained. I almost watched this in one shot. So I think for a season of television, I mean, it was just a great entertainment experience. Yeah, yeah I really liked it. What about uh, what about you, Chris? What did you think? Well, it, it lived up to the hype the second they released the initial Terry Silver teaser where he's standing with his back to the camera and it says, now the real pain begins and all that. That that's all I needed, honestly. The <laughs> fact that there was a season of television that came after that was a bonus for me. Yeah. Uh, and I did watch it all in one shot. And then again, the next day, because I'm insane. So yeah, a hundred, a thousand percent. I'm pretty sure you stayed up straight too. Didn't you, you yeah. watched the live stream. That I watched we your did. live stream. And then oh, wow. I was planning on going to sleep, but I was just so wired from everything that I was like, yeah. screw it. Just let's do it. Woke my wife up. <laughs> We're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> she she wakes up at like three in the morning anyway, so she was good, now, so. now the real pain begins, right? Uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> honey, the pain too. The pain. Well, yeah, just kind of via being married to me by osmosis. But she knows mm. how happy it makes me and how much I love Terry Silver. I'm pretty sure I cried when that first teaser came out. So she she knows this is important to me, <laughs> dude. That's a good partner there. <laughs> she you sounds know? like a really nice woman. Yeah, very lucky. She's a saint. <laughs> What about you, Badway? Did this live up to the hype for you? Well, first of all, I'm a total fraud because it took me about five days to finish the season. So uh, what am I even doing here, you guys? So um, no, but maybe it was a little bit of overhype for me before the season because I was super excited. I was ready to get into the Terry Silver of it all. And then it was, then when the season uh, kind of unfolded and as I watched maybe two episodes a day, it was kind of a slow burn. 
initially it was a little disappointing. I mean, and just because of the way that they built Terry as kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say weak, but, you know, past, yeah. you know, past his, you know, glory days of, of just evil doing, for lack of a better word. Terrorizing but teenagers. As the season went on and as he slowly started to flip and eventually overtake Priest in the evil department by the end of the, by the end of the series, it really goes to show how well how well written the whole thing was. And how when I'm looking forward to rewatching it, I'm going to appreciate those earlier scenes even more of him yeah. kind of finding himself along the way. Yeah. I, I would say the thing the thing that I found the most rewarding with it. And I had a roller coaster of emotions watching this whole thing, like from how they portrayed him in the beginning to where it wound up. And obviously, it goes to say, by the way, we didn't give the, a warning. We'll put it in the notes. This is like full spoiler territory. So if you have not seen the season, we're going to be talking about every piece of it, you know, and we're going to talk about the crazy arcs. So if you have not watched this and you care about it, you should pause this right now and maybe just sit down for 10 hours and watch that straight and then come right back to this. And we'll, we'll, we'll be here when you get back, but it's only five real, and yeah. a half. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five and a half. It's a long movie. You know, I watched the Snyder cut, so we got, <laughs> yeah, we got this is way better than that. <laughs> it's the, it's the, <laughs> the non Snyder cut. Uh, but no, but I think the thing that I, I would say about this is, and this goes for the series as a whole, and we're on a record of saying this, but I saw some other YouTube video I was watching yesterday about this, like the way that they, do this for people you could tell that the creators are really fans of the material and and they really understand the characters and i think like as i was having sort of doubts like as the season was unfolding like i kind of was mad at myself for doubting it by the end because like i should have known that they were going to do it justice but maybe this is a good way to to, to kind of jump right into terry because everyone that listens to this show knows how much of a huge fan we are of Terry Silver. So we're probably going to have 90% of this episode talking about Terry Silver. Maybe we'll talk about Daniel. Maybe we'll talk about Johnny. Maybe we'll talk about Tori, etc. But we're going to focus on the man, the myth, and the legend himself and the return of the ponytail. What do you guys... I'll start with you, Bowie. What do you think happened between the movie and the show that they didn't tell us about? Because they gave us a little bit of backstory, but it still was somewhat ambiguous. What do you think happened? So, I mean, I want to I want to start off by mentioning the throwaway line of his cocaine use. Yes. During Karate Kid Three, I don't know. Were you guys a fan of that excuse or explainer as to uh, his behavior for ruining an old man and a teenager's life? Because it did seem like a little bit of a lazy storyteller to explain his 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 manic episodes what do you guys think yeah i think that's a really great point um on the one hand it's it's funny in a way because uh you know that's one thing that terry silver's teased for is that he's over the top and crazy and he can say oh i was so coked up you know um that's kind of funny but yeah i agreed with you like in terms of um my fear was that that would be kind of an excuse to change the character like change the fundamentals of the character and just say that you know these great things we loved about Terry was really just about cocaine. And so um, I think that was kind of, yeah, it kind of straddled that line for me. I, I, it was funny for a second, but then I'm like, oh no, does this mean we don't get the full Terry? Yeah. You know, I thought about it for like a second after they said it and I was like, well, that makes complete sense. It was the eighties. He was yep. rich. It's a businessman. Look mm -hmm. at his behavior. I think it only would have been lazy if they didn't then show us the journey for the rest of the season for him to get back to that. So I was actually taken aback by it at first, but then I was like, no, this makes sense. And then 
you see how it unfolds for the rest of the season. So I feel like they kind of earned that line being there. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying, Chris, because I think it, it earned itself. But in the moment, I felt like you can, where I was like, and, and Bowie, where I was like, ah, or maybe, maybe I don't know if you felt that way, Bowie, but I just was like, it kind of cheapened it for me. And I was a little upset. And I remember when we were talking about this before we did the the live stream, Ken, you had told me that there was something that maybe would be controversial or maybe we're not sure. I felt like when I saw that, I was like, okay, I get, I, I got what you were talking about. And I'm like, man, right. I don't know if I like where that's going, but the rest of the season unfolded and I liked it. But what, Bowie, did you think it cheapened it? No, well, well I, th- I think Ken hit, hit the nail on the head there because it turned out he didn't need the cocaine after all. I mean, for all we know, the, the cocaine was a placebo and he was just, yeah. he was just storing up some flour because he <laughs> he was as high now as he was back then without the drugs. It's just the, 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 the maniac inside of him was there all along, whether, you know, whether drug induced or not. Uh, maybe, maybe the volume was turned down a little bit in, in the season. And, uh, and, and that makes sense. But no, it, it just seems like, you know, he went on his binge there at the end of Karate Kid 3. He lost, you know, took one on the chin, hasn't hasn't had hasn't suffered a loss in a long time. Maybe he did some soul searching and maybe he further spiraled down, maybe lost a little bit of money, lost some of his wealth. Uh, and then he ran into a, a sweet young woman who made an honest man out of him and it kind of brought him into this kind of stupor to where uh, he, he played into his soft side, classical piano playing, mellow, mm-hmm. you know, tofu eating, uh, tofu house terriers, party, Chris house Boy, party Chris having, Boy. you know, lifestyle. And it just took a little. It just took one little open increase to 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 open the floodgates again. What, but how? So I want to ask you guys: It's like, how did he escape these crimes? Because look, in the '80s, it was ridiculous, and just saying it, cocaine is kind of crazy. But like, he was terrorizing a teenager. He may or may not have fixed that tournament. We we don't know, but maybe he fixed that one too. It, it's like he. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he didn't actually do anything illegal back then. I don't know. He did stuff illegal now, and we know that for sure. But like, how did he get away with this? He was the CEO of a major corporation that obviously had a global, I don't know, a global pull. Like, how was that not in the news? Like, they did have CNN at the time. It wasn't like 1950. It was the 80s, right? Like, business was a big deal. Unless people liked it, they thought, man, this guy, he's he's crazy. He's good. Like, he's good for business. Like, how did he escape this stuff? Well, Dimitri did look him up and find information about that scandal. So... Like, I'm just wondering to what point does it even matter because he can just bribe them as usual. True. You know, you know how Terry do. And yeah, I think, um, you know, the key is uh, the DA Willie Cole. Yes. Right? Among That's other right. DAs, you know, same last name as me. <laughs> if you're interested in that type of connection, by the way, I made a, uh, a short film called Cobra Cole. Check that out. And you can see how Terry's tied to the Coles. But I think we saw him doing these crimes, but the world didn't. You know, he was very good at hiding his operations from the world. So it sounds like there is, you know, I think Dimitri mentions there's just that one scandal in Borneo, you know, and uh, maybe that's the only one that got out. He slipped on that one after he <laughs> lost the All Valley Tournament. He just was, that Oh, one. no. And then he got caught because he's not, a, you know, in his right mind. <laughs> but um, I think, uh, yeah, I think he was just really good at covering his crimes. So he was able to escape that, had great PR and was able to kind of wash that and maybe even greenwash his company. Let's talk about him as a good guy then. So I'll get, I got to give Chris the credit. He mentioned Tofu Terry before, before the show started. So Chris, you got to trademark that. Go, go right into Heald uh, Schlossberg and uh, <laughs> the rest of the creators. But so obviously the season opens up with him as a good guy. He's reformed. Like he's dating this woman who's making a mindfulness app. Like I want to know about this mindfulness app because 
look, there's a lot of mindfulness apps out there. It better it better catch my attention that you got balance, you got headspace, you got all these different apps that are competing for this thing. Like, is he somehow have the key to this? Uh, I think Chris, you mentioned like, did he work the Quicksilver method into the mindfulness <laughs> app? Like, is there a new Quicksilver method? Like, what what kind of things is he doing as a nice guy? Like, he seems like he's actually reformed. Do you guys think he is? Or is he tricking himself? Like, what what is your perspective on that? Well, okay. Here's the thing. I'm in the camp where he never really truly reformed. You know, Daniel calls him a psychopath. Uh, at some point in the series, over dinner, that scene with Kreese, he says that, you know, John, you you were right. I was, I was lying to myself the whole time. That was never who I really was, you know? And uh, he also said that he hits rock bottom. And, and let me go back, because this goes back to the cocaine and everything like that. If he's you know, a narcissist, you know, and a psychopath, you know, he's going to be blaming external things. Like he's never going to really be blaming himself. Like it was my fault. He's going to be blaming other things. So I think you have to take what Terry says with a grain of salt, because it might not be the total truth, but, um, it's interesting. He says, I just hit rock bottom and, and got better. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you hit rock bottom, Terry? You know? So that's, that's really interesting. But, um, you know, when he, when Kreese shows up, it seems like he's upset that Kreese has kind of crashed his party and he's going to really violate this kind of world he's set up. Yep. And I don't know, it'd be interesting. How long has Terry been tofu Terry? You know, has that only been the past <laughs> year? You know, what was he before that? And, um, is it just advantageous for him personally to be tofu Terry at that point? Um, I don't know. Those, those are some, some questions, but I don't think deep down he truly became a good guy. Yeah. I think the other thing that was interesting to me was, I I don't know, it was like the way that he was sort of manipulating throughout the season when he talked about the weaknesses that everybody had, and he started to show a little bit here or there. I liked how that slow, he slowly was like revealing himself, and you saw him getting more comfortable in his own skin. Like the scene of him in the mirror, I think Bill Simmons posted like a reel or something where it was like uh, Terry was, was about to put the ponytail, and he's like, do it do it like he was live commentating like the the thing and i was like you know he's dropping a lot of f-bombs and stuff he's like just do it man put it in and like when he puts that in he becomes terry silver again he puts that that ponytail in even when he he roundhouse kicks the wine like i think you're right like he might have sort of hypnotized himself into thinking that he was good and you're right crease came out of nowhere and sort of sucked him back in he's like oh don't do it john don't do it to me you know don't make me it's like the incredible hulk like he's afraid of he's afraid of his own power and he's like you won't wouldn't like me if I'm angry like that's I mean Terry Silver we I think we called him the anti Batman but like I think he really is more like the Incredible Hulk you know yeah so uh, I think uh, the hypnosis is 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 a good word and it's kind of almost like an amnesia victim to where it's like these triggers of his past are just coming back to haunt him and Ken I do like your idea of it possibly being the short term uh, tofu Terry for to, to coin the phrase. Uh, that Drew said earlier there, and uh, and um, and Chris, I like the idea of him being with this woman, this mindfulness app. Maybe it's a new business venture. Maybe it's something to to add on to his uh to his estate, his legacy. And he sees Crease come in as kind of initially to maybe it's going to disrupt his current flow and his current business venture. But it turns out it's it's actually what he wanted all along. He was kind of looking for an excuse to fall back into madness. And I and I do believe. No one, no sane man plays the piano the way he did in that opening scene. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying all all classical piano players are crazy. What I am saying is that to to play with that kind of intensity 
uh, requires one to be mad. And, and th- that was that was the initial <laughs> that was the initial proof that the the maniac was inside of him from the very opening scene of the season. <laughs> it, it was a great tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. That was the, uh, the the reveal there. I think the great thing about the way they laid the season out and his character is that you can kind of look at it either way. You could take it at face value. You can really, you know, buy what he's selling. But is it just something he's selling? Is it just kind of like the PR spin? You know, how long did he practice that speech he gave Crease in the mirror? Like that type of thing. So you can look at it either way. I don't know if in future seasons you'll be able to go back and look at it either way. They may give us an answer on that. They may not. You know, we may find out in a, you know, young Crease and Terry spinoff. You know, we don't know. But I think what I enjoyed most about the way they played his character was just that they gave me like the exact opposite of what I expected Terry Silver to be doing right now. And then they ramped up to where now it's like, well, this is even better than anything I could have imagined going into season five. So the trajectory of getting a Terry who almost seemed like happy and at peace, whether or not that's real, whether or not that's just kind of a surface level con type of thing. It was kind of weirdly satisfying to see. It's like, oh, okay, he's he's doing good for himself now. Good for you, Terry. And then the rest of the season happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one little thing I thought of, um, Cheyenne is his girlfriend, right? And they were together until the launch of the mindfulness app, right? They had a party. They were together. She was there afterwards. But then, right, that coincided with Kreese getting there. She had been messaging him and texting him, and he didn't respond. In fact, he just kind of looked at the phone, shrugged, and put it down. And so it's like, it's almost like he's like, okay, you know, maybe that mindfulness education app ties into his philanthropy. And then that served its purpose. Now he's moving on to Kreese or something else. What I I think that's a good segue into sort of the dynamic between Crease and Terry. And I, and I wanted to, to talk about this piece a lot because I don't know, it's, we could debate whether, and I like what you said, Chris, where you, you mentioned like you could kind of take it either way, like whichever way you want to interpret it. I do like the kind of ambiguity of it. The thing I guess that, that I've been thinking about too is if he was playing him the whole time and I saw somebody, I don't know if it was on Reddit or, or in some YouTube comments but people said, you know, if Kreese would have just listened to Terry, they would have just, you know, maybe they Cobra Kai could have won fair and square because when Terry was teaching, now it was what, what they were showing us, right? He seemed like he was trying to teach them lessons. He seemed like he was trying to keep them out of trouble. Like, you know, where you watch Karate Kid 3, he's having Daniel beat the kid up at the dance and all that stuff. Whereas in this, he's like, you know, we're going to respect the rules. We're not going to touch anybody. He didn't want anybody to fight. He kept telling Kreese like, dude, don't go there. You're just going to get dragged into the mess before. You know, if we go with maybe he's playing him, he's playing him because again, it's more of the facade and it's more of a sort of a a way that he's trying to get them, you know, manipulated. But I think the thing that was the most interesting to me was as a fan of Karate Kid 3, as a fan of just this and not knowing what Kreese was up to, what Terry Silver was up to all these years, I always thought that Terry Silver was the alpha. And I always thought that he was the one that was like, Kreese owed him, even though he said, oh, you saved my ass in Vietnam and all that stuff, right? I still always thought that Terry was sort of on top. And maybe as the season went on, I was sort of feeling this little disappointment in that like 
Kreese was basically punking him. Like the whole scene where he took the beer from him and, and really put him in his place. I didn't like it in the moment. Looking back on it, I like it. But in the moment, like I'm such a, a fanboy that I was like, man, I want, I, I was rooting for Terry the whole time. Honestly, like I didn't even want, I wanted Cobra Kai to win. And I didn't want that ever until Terry Silver got involved. So I guess the question for me and for you guys is, do you like the way that this sort of changed the dynamic? It, well, again, was he sort of playing it? Um, I liked how they sort of went that angle, but I'm curious, like, I don't know, Bowie, what did you think? Did you think it was better that they sort of turned it on its head? Or or yeah. did you not like it? No, I, I did like it, but but was it Terry gaining control from the start, kind of implementing the rules of of don't, you know, let's not, let's keep it on the dojo? Kind of like trying to insert himself uh, indirectly as the leader of Cobra Kai yep. and maybe taking whatever angle he can to take power away from, from Kreese. Yeah. And then Kreese, as you said, Kreese checked him a couple times, but really it's Terry maybe kind of just exor- absorbing what Terry, what, what Kreese is giving him and, and reacting as such to, to always gain upper hand. Do you guys think yeah. that was the case? I do. From yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. I do. Yes, I do. It, I made, I made a video about uh, this called uh, why Terry silver. I'm sorry, what Terry silver wants. And kind of, and I get into this and the most interesting thing I think about their relationship is that it kind of, the control goes back and forth in Vietnam, obviously Kreese was his captain and Terry was in a position that we saw in season three where he's in a POW camp and he's too scared to fight. He is just absolutely in ruins. Uh, and John Kreese has to step in and do a death match for him. And also he had a really tough time behaving in a rational way when he didn't have control of the situation. Like when his friend Ponytail got killed, he just absolutely exploded. When his radio went off, um, he just couldn't keep quiet. And then in Karate Kid 3, when Miyagi smashed him to the mirror and he lost, I mean, he loses it. So it's like if he doesn't have control of a situation, Terry loses it. And so I was very interested. I, I, I agree like with what Badway was saying. In this show, he comes back, and I think the great thing about how they did it is Terry came back in a way where he made Kreese think that Kreese was kind of still in charge of Cobra Kai and everything. But if you look, every step of the way, Terry is the one making the decision. He's, and then if Kreese is like, no, we have to, you know, no mercy or whatever, he says, no dude, you've done it wrong. You made mistakes. Absolutely not. When I agreed to come back, you know, all those kinds of things. I don't know. And he, and he gives it away when he teaches the students too, I think about how you have to sort of wait and save before you, you know, it's very important what your opponent thinks of you. Um, because that's when you strike or you, you just keep hidden, then you strike. And, um, I think we kind of see that with, with crease, you know, it's like crease obviously has a problem with Terry. Like we need to talk. Terry's like, sure, we're going to a nice dinner. We're going to break out the fine wine. Okay, John, <laughs> tell me what's your problem. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. He's, he's exercising his control uh, over every situation. Except when Kreese, uh, when you were talking about with the beers, when Kreese starts to assert his dominance, that's when you get into trouble. I think with Terry, Terry you know, you could see. Anyway. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that he knew? So like t- talk about like crease asserting his dominance and you're right. Like you guys nailed it. Like there was this weird power struggle and I only watched the season once. So I, I think it'd probably be more obvious like a second watch, but I think like, I love how y- you, you guys nailed it. Like 
Terry contradicted Crease every chance he got, no matter whether it was a like looking like a good guy or looking like a bad guy. Whether it was you know beating up Johnny, I thought this is what you wanted, you know, or, or like you said, no, you got you can't do that. You're going to get sucked in. Like he literally contradicted him every single time. And then when Crease sort of got aggressive with him, do you think that he knew? Again, thinking of his own advice, no, I got to save myself. Let me act weak here. Let me act like I'm not in control because he could have probably kicked his ass right then and there, and he could have revealed his whole plan. But he is such a master manipulator. Honestly, the greatest villain of all time, in my opinion. Like, it's just not even close. Like, I think that, I think it's, it was just so master craft. It was so well done, I think, personally. I have two questions for you guys uh, related to this topic, but uh, involving uh, karate and fighting that we didn't talk too much about yet in this episode. First of all, if Priest would have joined in on the beatdown of Johnny Lawrence, do you think he would have died that night? yes like how far like you saw how badly johnny was beaten up just by terry yes how far could it have gone and was it a test i mean obviously it was i guess it was a test from silver but do you think he knew that uh johnny was priest's weakness before and that's why he set the test up or is that when he learned that priest was was his weakness I think he probably knew from the second crease showed up at his house and mentioned johnny I think that was immediately right there. He's like, okay, this is what I can target. You know, if this was wrestling, it would be, oh, his knees hurt. I'm going to focus on that for the entire match. And mm-hmm. Johnny is the hurt knee in that yep. situation. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, you know, I've watched the season five times. Okay. <laughs> wow. I, I will, I will, I will fully admit that. Uh, and <laughs> every time I'm no of shame. a different mind about it. And I've, come to the conclusion that from the second he laid eyes on crease he was just manufacturing ways in which he could make crease think that he was weak and vulnerable and crease would have the upper hand and that that's kind of where i'm at with it now but on my sixth watch it it could completely change (laughs) but i think I, i think what he demonstrated as a as a karate teacher um during the season was really interesting to me because it shows a guy who can actually run a really successful karate dojo. He's not doing any of the Quicksilver method or anything like that. He brings back the three Ds, which if you practice responsibly, are actually it's actually really good advice. Yeah. And he he's instilling some some good lessons, but his motive, we know, is is probably not the most pure. So it's just interesting to watch from that perspective, you know. And if when you go back, you'll you'll just catch a new little thing every time. Personally, my favorite moment of the kind of good guy, like in transition Terry period, is when Robbie is is training Kenny in the back room, and he comes in and he's saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, this is this was Miyagi Do, but it's a Cobra Kai lesson." And he's like, "Oh yeah, no, man can't stand, he can't fight." It, like, <laughs> so they had to oh work that God. in, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's, that it's, that might be my favorite Terry Silver scene in the season. Yeah, I love yeah. I love that scene. And uh, part two of my uh, my fighting questions, uh, real quick. Don't have to go into too much detail. Who who actually would win in a fight between Silver and Crease? And I assume we might see that in season five if Crease ever gets out of jail. Who who's the stronger fighter? I mean, I, I don't know. I get the feeling that that Silver would take him. I, Ken, you have a video about this, don't you? <laughs> I think, sort of. Yeah, I, I did a video of like in the 80s, like what, what would have happened in the 80s. But um, 
kind of using that that methodology <laughs> in those videos, I think, yeah, we know that Johnny's fought Crease and uh, Johnny has fought Silver. And it looks like Johnny did a lot better against Crease. So he knows you Kreese could more. maybe make a gauge that uh, Silver, you know, is probably, you know, could 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 handle Crease pretty well. That'd be my guess. I also think that Silver just looks more in shape than than Crease now. Like he just seems older, you know. And I think like he's more a senior. But taking that aside, like I think you know, you talk about a guy like I'm thinking like Bloodsport and the Kumite and all that stuff. Like I wouldn't put it past Terry to be throwing sand and like that stuff, like Bolo <laughs> Young and 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 uh, you know in 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 like Crease's face or something. Like he probably wouldn't be above fighting dirty. I mean, obviously we know he's got the Quicksilver method, sure. like sweep can't the leg, see, do all, man can't see, can't fight. Right? He's gonna throw dust yeah. in your face. He's gonna do. He's gonna throw you into you know wood in in an abandoned you know place being renovated. Like I, I think I think I think Terry would win personally i don't know chris what do you think yeah oh no first of all crease ain't kicking like that crease is not that nimble crease his mind is maybe debatable still there if it ever was there but his body just cannot keep up with terry i mean you gotta figure terry has personal trainers yeah terry has a good regimen you know and although it seems like terry hasn't been practicing karate it's like come on that guy's a virtuoso in everything he does practically so you know, it's it's not going to be any competition, really. Crease, you know, he had he's more of a brawler and he's a little bit more of a he's more scrappy, I think. And he could probably handle himself very well. But Terry's a master like you yeah. you don't get in. And, you know, you guys know this, but you you don't get to a higher level of anything than Terry Silver. <laughs> he's it, mastered it, the world. Yeah, it would anger him to to be lesser than his opponent. Yeah. So um, so he probably worked beyond uh any uh realm of sameness to to be better than a potential fight with his former best friend John Grease. Yeah. One more quick thing on Terry. Chris, maybe you can answer this. You've seen the the series five times and I know Drew <laughs> has a keen eye for ponytails. Was it me? Or did the ponytail of silver get tighter as each episode went on? I think it did. It, I feel like it did. And it, it also got a little wetter too, didn't it? Like a little it, wetter it and a little, little tighter. I felt like the hair was pulled back just a little more every single episode until that final episode. Where almost nope. his skin was pulling back. It was so tight. Yeah. You know, even I did not pick up on a detail like that, but I love the idea of that. <laughs> yeah. It's just the yeah. ponytail, the, the tightness of the ponytail is, is is directly equivalent to the amount of evil seeping through the veins. Yeah. Yeah. And as he got more evil, the, the tail got tighter. <laughs> the forehead started stretching. Yeah. That's that's what I look for when I see these shows. So I guess I had a question for all you guys. This discussion is making me kind of ask myself. I'm wondering if you guys know the answer to this. Do you feel like the series did a good enough job connecting old Terry, like Twig that we saw in Vietnam and how he turned into Terry. Like, yeah. do, you, do you see that connection or do you feel like it's in intentionally ambiguous or uh, how do you, how do you guys feel about that? I, I think two things. I think the way that they did it was partially intentionally ambiguous, but they gave you enough. So they answered a couple questions. They sort of answered how he got rich, right? So they said, he his he didn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps. He didn't want to be you know rich like Kreese obviously wanted him to start the dojo. So we got a little bit of that, 
but I think they left it really wide open for season five if they want to continue with the flashbacks. Like there weren't that many this season, at least compared to previous, but I think they left it wide open. I I kind of like that they didn't connect it too much, like like that era. And I would pay the hell to watch um a spin-off series of of young Terry and young Crease. Like the actors are good, man. They did a good job. And they they look like them. They did a great job casting. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I think I like how the ambiguous it was, in my opinion. I was so happy to see that flashback going into the season. The one wish that I had was f- for a scene like that to see the very foundations of Cobra Kai being formed with the two of them. And when we got that, I was just so happy. And I think that was my favorite episode of the season overall, episode three. Um, I I wanted more, but I didn't feel that they needed to give more, at least at this time. Uh, I don't know how they would have had time to do it. This is a very, very packed season. There's a lot of stories they're telling. And I think when it comes to Terry Silver, I don't necessarily want to know everything, um, at least not until we're like closing the book on this whole saga. Uh, and even then, I I would still love some mystery to be there. But I fully agree. I would love a spinoff with Young Crease and Young Terry like that. Like, just take take my money. Take the thirty five dollars that Netflix is going to cost when that <laughs> yeah. happens. Just take it right now. I'll my give it to you right now. Well, yeah. You're gonna have to pay, you're gonna have to pay for the eight K. So the 8K yeah, boosts, yeah, sixteen so. K by then, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I want I want to ask you guys, and maybe this is sort of a an encompassing Terry here. We talked about his business skills like a little bit. I don't know how do you think he ran the business and all that, but I kind of want to talk about. Did this prove that he was a, an even greater villain than he already was? And Bowie, I'm going to dial you up here. You're the last row podcast legal expert. You know, you're the you're the resident legal expert on the show. <laughs> we got to go through some of the crimes that he committed. You know, if you look at Karate Kid three, maybe he didn't really do that much. Maybe breaking and entering, assaults, uh, you know, destruction of property. Like I don't know. There, there's some other things that he did. Obviously, he messed with the kid. He potentially bribed the, the students and fixed the tournaments. But talk about what he actually did in this episode. I, I put a few things in the notes, but like, how bad did it actually get? I'll just start with the worst one, right? <laughs> he beats the crap out of Stingray. And I, he was a willing participant, it's, it seems. But uh, eh. manipulation? That'd be, be after the fact. Like, what, what kind of crime is that? Is that just straight assault? Like, how would you, how would you categorize it? Uh, it's actually no crime if, if the person doesn't, doesn't press charges, so... <laughs> I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go um, zero, zero jail time. Uh, no harm, no foul. Again, he's smart, right? Yeah, he... exactly. Calculated. Actually, as far as as far as we all know, John Kreese did that crime. That's so, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. So we'll see how long Kreese spends in jail, and Terry Silver's off the hook. He assaults Johnny. I mean, that's I don't know what degree of assault that is, but he lured him to an abandoned building and kicked his ass, right? And Johnny really couldn't hold his own, or maybe he was just so surprised. What, how how was that categorized? Assuming he pressed charges, I forget. Uh, Chris, did 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 Johnny throw the first punch or did, or did Terry? Did Terry like blindside him? I, I honestly forget. I forget too. Yeah, <laughs> and Terry, this is Terry totally blindsided him. He blindsided like, him, right? Yeah, okay, so I can't I can't yeah. claim that that Johnny started that fight. Okay. Uh, well, Johnny came there looking for trouble. I'll tell you that much. I mean, all <laughs> all all Terry did was I mean make a. a pretty disrespectful phone call and started you know talking up Johnny's ex wife and. Talking about how great of a kid Robbie that's was. That's all. I mean, that's not a crime, but I mean, for Johnny to come busting into private property like that, 
I mean, Terry was probably just defending his property. His very, very new property, by the way. Fastest yeah. transaction in his yeah, career. Yeah. <laughs> Great business connections. skills. He's got connections. Great business skills. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that it's not an unofficial crime, but, and you could maybe blame Crease for this, but basically stealing someone's son, like he's stealing Robbie. I mean, like, is that, what was it, kidnapping? Would you call it kidnapping? <laughs> like mental kidnapping? What would you categorize that as? Uh, to I take mean, him as I his would- own. I mean, you can't call it kidnapping. What would you What would you call that? I mean, um, master manipulating. I mean, can you? Is there a crime for manipulating, Drew? I don't. I, I, I mean, doubt I'm, it. I'm not. I'm no legal expert, but this is why Terry's never been doing. in prison. That's exactly. Why, uh, I mean, he, if a guy like me, if a guy like me who's on his side is it also has a law degree, you can figure this out for the guy to not have jail time. So, I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing through all these crimes right away and with with zero preparation. So, you've got you've got nothing on the man. You know, in season five, when Julie Pierce, who just happens to be a lawyer, comes to town. <laughs> yeah. What other connections are they going to make? <laughs> who just happens to be Tori's mom and uh, married to Mike Barnes. <laughs> what a twist. And they have, a, they have dogs named yeah. Snake and Dennis. Yeah. yeah. It's all land- one episode and it's directed by Ebony Shyamalan. And, 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 like and their episode. landlord is Colonel Dugan. So <laughs> it's like, but you know, so, but no, the other thing that, that Terry did too was bribery of an official. But is that, okay. that I mean, talking. is that a crime or is it just a frowned upon? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, is it just uh, unethical? Yeah, <laughs> I think President Ron would probably think that it's a crime yeah. uh, and yeah. would probably try and prosecute him to the fullest extent of the karate board law. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? what is it? Like, he already had a lifetime ban. He got that passed somehow. Yeah, no, no legal, no legal ramifications would, would hurt him more than just stripping him of the title, I suppose. If it found out we had a crooked ref, the title's getting stripped, and that's, that's really gonna, gonna stick it to him. And he commits the ultimate crime. The ultimate crime. It's like if Bad Way, like he, all of a sudden there's a knock on my front door here and the cops come and they haul me away in handcuffs live on this podcast. He betrayed his best friend. What's that about? <laughs> you know, you could argue that, yeah. that there, there's no jail time long enough for that. I mean, if that happened, the cops ringing on my door, I don't know, Bad Way. That might yeah. be. Might be a little too much for us. That's a crime of passion. That's a crime of passion right there. (laughs) It's a little too much for us to survive. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably missing crimes here. Am I missing anything? Like, there's a ton that he did or didn't do. I mean, I guess he he sort of ghosted his girlfriend. That's not really a crime, I guess. This man is innocent. Now, now, Drew, I mean, that that gets me thinking. (laughs) Speaking of the the uh, official that he bribed, you guys. Yeah. Was there evidence of this? Like, I guess I, it 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 deserves a rewatch, and maybe maybe again, maybe Chris, maybe maybe you can shed some light on this. Was there evidence of of just bad refing throughout the scenes that they showed, or is this just like an end of the scene? Like, I know that they weren't giving uh, penalty points uh, during that last fight, but was there evidence of of bad calls throughout that maybe I just didn't see on my first watch through? Yeah, it was throughout. It was kicks while someone was already out of bounds, counting as a point, things like that. I didn't notice that. And and I think you're right. Like it probably would be part of a rewatch that would that would show it. Do you guys think that he did this in Karate Kid 3? Do you think he did the same thing? And are they maybe gonna go back to that? Because Barnes got away with a bunch of stuff too back in True. back in three. True. Like what do you guys yeah. think? I, I would say no because the ref was Pat Johnson. The great <laughs> yeah. Pat Johnson. And yeah. Pat Johnson would never be bribed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I wanna think, yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Everybody's got a price, man. As yeah. as, uh, as a famous man once said. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. Are we missing any other crimes? Like, I, I think you're right. I think he is innocent. Innocent. But what I would say is this cements him as, I said it before in the episode, the greatest villain of all time. Like, he completely fooled everybody that was watching the show. Not only breaking the fourth wall here, he just fooled everybody that was watching the show. Like, my, my favorite Terry Silver moment of the entire season, and this is hands down, when I was watching that last scene unfold but before the cops came, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, just something seemed off. And I was just so confused. And I'm like, he poured the champagne and he didn't drink it. Like, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. And he waited until he was carried away in handcuffs and he sipped that sweet nectar. Yeah. He sipped the juice, man. He, he couldn't wait till his friend was gone and he sips that thing. And then he does a little piano thing in the air. Masterclass. Mas- give the acting well, award, right? Yeah, right? Chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> exactly. What patience. What patience to wait for the perfect moment, right? I mean, he, he practices what he preaches, right? Is there a better karate master teacher in the world than Terry Silver? So he's a master business person, a master manipulator, master karate teacher. You know, he's probably a master best friend until he turns on you. He can do whatever he needs to. I mean, I don't know. I just think this cements him in the legacy. And I'm interested to see where it goes. But at the same time, like I'm also, I said this before the season started, I was kind of scared to see where it goes. I, I was rooting for him the whole time. Like when he mm. won in the end, I was happy. And that's weird for me because I don't normally root for the bad guys. But if he didn't win, I was going to be disappointed just because of how, like where it was going. And obviously I think he's ultimately going to lose. You know, like they're not going to let him win. Like the bad guy doesn't win. It just doesn't happen in the majority of times. But I kind of like, it's almost like the Empire strike back, Strikes Back, it, like this version of this the season where the bad guy wins and it's like, oh man, but I was ecstatic, man. When he when he won, I jumped out of my chair. I was so happy. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Ken, Ken what did you think when when that all went down? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I don't know if you guys said this in your previous Last Row podcast about Terry Silver, but um, man, what what would it have been like if Terry just won in Karate Kid 3? You know, you're kind of like rooting for He was doing such a great yeah. job. He was so entertaining. He had this great scheme and like, what would have happened? What would have all these... Uh, dojos throughout the valley looked like a Cobra Kai franchise, you know, and I was just really hoping that yes, he would totally win and that we would get this franchise and he would just, you know, take over the world. And um, I'm just, yeah, I was very happy with, with the ending. Uh, that that win might might have even catapulted him to become president of the United States one day. Like, honestly. <laughs> it's like when Lex Luthor becomes the yeah. president, like yeah, exactly. ultimate villain. <laughs> Did, did you guys notice there's that scene? I, I think it might be, Chris, you might have to correct me. It's the scene, I think, when Kreese is bringing in beer and Terry's sitting there reading Leviathan. Yes. By yeah. Hobbes. Yeah. So it's like you kind of know that his mind is at, you know, a sovereign ruler, uh, you know, and uh, that was that was kind of a cool little touch. Dude, I loved it. I I thought it was, they had a lot of these little, and Chris, you probably know better than us because you've seen it multiple times, but like, was there a lot of hints throughout the the way that you notice like the more times you watch it or like, was it obvious now that you watch it now? You're like, oh my God, this guy's clearly manipulating everybody. Oh yeah. There are, there are just moments as I watched the season back, like second time, third time. It's like, okay, okay, okay. And then by the fifth time, I'm like, oh my God, how did we, come on. Like, but I think that's just a testament to you know how well the show's written that you you go along with it at first and you kind of you, you're not really seeing what he's doing in the background which of course is you know 
being Terry Silver, which we should have expected. So he is so great that he even manipulated us. Yeah. Yes. The Terry Silver devotees. That's how good he is. We should have never doubted him, man. It's like, man, I thought I knew this guy. We thought Mm -hmm. we knew this guy. I mean, was was this all a farce? And then, yeah, like totally pulled the wool wool over our eyes. (laughs) Which I, I think is like, I think the big three just sit back and just laugh about that. Like as they see reactions coming in, like, yep. We got him. We did it. They knew. And it's like, this is why this franchise could only be trusted to those guys. Because they're the only people who are going to pull any of this off and make any of this possible. So it's just, I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't know if I necessarily felt one way or the other seeing the, you know, the results of the All Valley. I, I don't know if I was pulling for any one dojo or anything like that. I just think I knew Cobra Kai had to win because if you know if they don't well well then what you know what happens i don't know i feel like the more interesting story is in daniel and johnny losing and how do they face that and how do their dojos face that and yeah that's that dream scenario of if you know terry silver succeeds at the end of karate kid 3 as ken mentioned we're gonna get that now that's essentially what they've laid out season five to be and they've kind of confirm that so i've just i just was really excited that that's kind of the direction it looked like they were going i had no idea that we were going to get the whole crease and you know crease getting arrested and it just you know i don't know the way it all played out at the end there just again chef's kiss (laughs) and i do want to say one thing you mentioned drew that little dance that terry does and i've seen some people say oh he's it's almost like he's the joker no 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 no. let's 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 get this let's get this straight that is a terry silver original yeah the joker silver is not derivative of anyone except for himself yeah the joker (laughs) took it from him yeah (laughs) i like that uh one last thing about terry and then we'll we'll move on obviously this this episode is primarily terry and that's what people want to listen to from us i guess but uh the last thing that I, I thought that I thought was interesting was how when they won the tournament, he just grabbed that microphone and he was like, he went right for the mic. He's like, yeah, we're, we're going to like, and you saw Crease's face when he's like, what? <laughs> like, what is this dude doing? And he was so enthusiastic and he got that moment, man. Like, remember in the beginning when they're sitting in there, he's like, if we're going to do this, I want, I want to win this time. I want to do it right. Like he had his own redemption. I was happy for him. Like, even though he bribed an official the cheating he, scumbag, he you're cheated, happy for him. <laughs> a cheating scumbag. I've never been happier for a cheating scumbag in my life. I was like, all right, Terry. Yeah, he got what he wanted. Like, good job. Like, I was so proud of him. He got it. Unbelievable. It's hard too because in that, in all that he was doing, is the emotion of Tori really getting what she wanted to. And yes. we haven't really touched on the kids at all but like yeah that too it just creates this whole like oh my god is he gonna send her in a downward spiral now and she's at this you know conflicting stage where she just you know achieved her dream that she really wanted and now she knows it's illegitimate it it just creates so many different scenarios of him ruining everyone's life but it's great television for us well said and i think that's a good segue to uh maybe round out the episode and talk about other characters and as we leave Silver, I'm curious to see in the future season him having a one-on-one relationship with a student like he did with with Daniel in Karate Kid Three. And do you guys? I guess it must be Tori, right? Because I feel like Robbie's on the edge, on the outs, kind of. So it's got to be Tori. Are you guys envisioning a Tori, Terry Silver uh, pairing in the next season, and Terry really trying to get his claws in some in one of his students, and it being her? 
That's a really interesting question because Tori, I don't know if Tori would be totally into that or not. Like obviously, and, and I'll just throw in here little, little tiny, tiny minor things that, you know, I wish maybe there were in season four and there weren't. Um, I really wish we had some more time, you know, with Terry, but also Terry with the students, like he doesn't have that much time. He has like that great scene with Robbie. He has a scene with Kenny, but, um, really you don't see a personal development between Tori and Terry, you know, there just isn't time. So it'd be interesting if they develop more of a relationship and they were closer and then she sees him bribing the official, you know, what would that devastate what she thought of him and, you know, that kind of thing. But there just wasn't time, you know, to get into all of that because Tori is now connected to Amanda LaRusso, you know, and her family livelihood seems to be, you know, coming from the help of Amanda LaRusso, maybe Daniel LaRusso. Is she going to be torn? Uh, is she going to uh, like the fact that she's a champion, but not maybe really should be a champion? Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is is that going to be a, a, a relationship? I think the interesting thing that that you said, and it is a good segment to other characters, is I think that you know she, she her whole character was that she never had anything for herself, and she finally got this thing, and now it's a fraud because she, you know even though she might have won anyway, she's not going to feel like she actually won, and I think that's going to be a huge point of contention between her and Terry. And I'm curious to see how he's going to manipulate her back. Like, can he win her back over? And can she become the student that you were talking about, Badway? Like the next Mike Barnes or something like that? Because at the end of the day, I think he sort of violated any trust that she might have had with that and, and sort of cheapened the win that, that, that she had. So, but, but, but again, we talk about the master manipulator. Any, anything, any, his words could twist her in any direction. But it doesn't necessarily even have to be her. I'm just I'm just looking forward to him having a one-on-one with anyone, whether it be Kenny or or whoever it may be. Uh, yeah. Ahead, yeah. Chris. I yeah. would really love to see a lot of maybe not Tori and Terry so much coming closer together, but maybe just that kind of tension dynamic between them. One thing I think about Tori's character that makes me excited to see her have a dynamic with Terry is a lot of people leading up to the season thought she was a very one-dimensional, almost Saturday morning cartoon-level villain. I never felt that way. I always knew we're going to get the layers when it makes sense because this is what this show does. They, this is how we, you know, kind of been trained as we watch it. And Terry Silver has the reputation from the Karate Kid Three of some people with really bad takes thinking he's a one-dimensional, one-note villain. And this season was kind of the coming out party of Thomas Ian Griffith as, hello, I'm actually a God-level actor. Uh, and Terry Silver is actually a very nuanced and deep character. Where the hell have you been for the past however many <laughs> years? So I would love to see Tori continue to have more of that development alongside Terry, whether or not they go in the same direction or they kind of go in different directions. Tori is going to drive a lot of action forward in season five. It's just where the story is at right now. She is going to be very pivotal. So I would love to see the two of them either come together or butt heads. But whatever it is, I love that it's those two characters kind of redeeming themselves as three dimensional humans with a full range of emotions. I have one thing based on what you said, Chris. You know, we talked about Thomasine Griffith winning the the greatest actor of all time award. Like, 
is this like Michael Jordan coming out of retirement or something? Like, think about like the greatest athlete of all time. Like, let's say this guy comes out of retirement. Like, this guy's been like writing scripts for how many years? Like, he's a writer. Like, that's primarily what he's been doing, right? And he just walks onto the set and like puts on a master class acting like situation. Like, I, we didn't really give the guy enough credit. Like, we we've been we've been basically giving him credit for an hour, but we didn't give him enough credit. Like, this is a this is like a Jordan coming out of retirement scenario here, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, for there a guy that hasn't acted since like the yeah. early two thousands, come on. Yeah. So let let's talk a little bit, and this may be a way to wrap up the episode. But we talked a little bit about Tori, but are there any other like characters? Obviously, we didn't get into Daniel and Johnny. Like those are the two biggest characters in the show. I mean, I have some thoughts about it. Like <laughs> they're kind of the main character. Like Terry Silver had fifteen minutes of screen time, I believe, like across the five and a half hours, and we just talked for about an hour about Terry. But that's what, so much that, depth. That, that's There's just so much depth. Yeah, that's what it is, right? And it, we we got to break down the nuance here. That's what people expect on the Last Row podcast. But is there any other things that you guys maybe want to mention in terms of character arcs or, or anything that you feel? Um, before we get into maybe like how did you feel about season four as a whole and maybe what are you hoping in, in season five? Uh, I'll start by saying that, man, they really made Daniel very unlikable in the season. Agreed. Like it was really easy to root against. Very hard headed, almost to like the last scene of, of, of the fight with uh with Tori and Amanda there. Do you guys agree? Am I am I crazy? Or or it was I was almost cringing watching him not adapt to the styles to, to coaching his own daughter. You know, bad way. I, you know, I'd agree with you. I, I think back to the original Karate Kid movies, right? And there's a reason why we rooted for Daniel uh, throughout those three movies. And this season, I feel like you got that. Those scenes with Miguel, you know, when he's teaching Miguel how to fix his mom's car, and just those scenes were so. Gr- I really loved those scenes because sure. Daniel was being great. He was being this great guy that was understanding and supportive and everything, and. It just seemed like, yeah, he was just the rest of the time, just way too stubborn I, I for, for this point in the series. And he was stubborn after everyone in his life, even his daughter and his wife, mm-hmm. you know, was telling him, hey, you know, you're kind of being too much here, you know, and he still kept, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I kind of I loved that episode, too, where they're working together and they're training each other. I'm like, yes, I've been wanting this. And it, it kind of. I was like, oh, we couldn't quite get to that. We couldn't get that to that yet. But I, I think ultimately Daniel and Johnny are the same stubborn jerk. Just it shows itself in different ways. It reveals itself in different ways, especially when they're together. And you can see just how different but same they are, uh, mm-hmm. to quote Mr. Miyagi. Uh, but it honestly, I think that Daniel gets a lot more crap for it than Johnny. And I'm going to give him a little bit of grace here because the man who traumatized him as a teenager just came back into town. So I'm going to give him a little bit of grace here. He's trying to work with his high school rival and the source of his trauma, his lifelong trauma that is, you know, maybe suppressed, maybe not. But it's all of these things emerging on him. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit, you know, I wouldn't be easy to deal with during that time i don't i don't think i just i i don't know i think the stuff with daniel and miguel this season as you mentioned was just so it's just such a i it's one of those things like you don't know you need it until you get it <laughs> and it's like uh, they really are the same guy for better and for worse daniel and johnny you know that dynamic they have with miguel 
then seeing Johnny get to bond with Sam, which is another thing. It's like, I never knew I needed this until they gave it to me. So uh, I don't, again, I don't know if I just, I have trouble picking sides because I love everyone in the show, but I just, I think Daniel and Johnny are the same stubborn jerk when it comes <laughs> down to it. I just think that's, that's, that's it. I think that's a good point. And maybe it just plays itself that Daniel comes off as a little bit whiny and, and uh, Johnny comes off as kind of a dickhead and also funny. So that's, that's why Johnny's more likable, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they are very similar. And you're right. Um, the scenes with Miguel are very touching and Daniel's son, the, the father figure is always a, a likable character, but, but hit, but Daniel, the karate instructor is what is gets to me being a little unbearable and a little whiny. Yeah. I think it's more, um, the thing that I have with Daniel and I, I'm more on the side of like, he was sort of annoying me this, this season, but besides the fatherly stuff, I liked that. I thought that's like, that's what I expect of him. But I felt like uh, you made a good point, Chris, like what he was dealing with mentally. Like, obviously, he's dealing with a lot. Uh, But at the same time, I feel like he's always been a little bit unfair to Johnny. Like Johnny's had a pretty rough go and Johnny's trying to just do his thing. And and maybe I'm giving him a pass. I don't know. But at the same time, like Daniel's always like my way is the right way. And like Johnny never I didn't think that Johnny was like no, it has to be Eagle Fang or it has to be this way. He 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 sort of said that, but at sometimes he was kind of like, well, why don't you look listen to me? Like, give me a chance to tell the kids. And I felt like even with his daughter, like at the tournament, he was like offended at the way that she was fighting. Like it wasn't his way. And I feel like, you know, she wasn't doing anything disrespectful, I feel. So it just, but I get it. It's the character arc and that's why they have to do it. But I think, and this is a point that I would make about sort of just the the way that there's parallels. I simultaneously like the parallels and I simultaneously get exhausted by the parallels because there's there's some where it just becomes so like everybody's the same as everybody and it like I I like it but I also sometimes get exhausted by it and I I don't want to say it's a negative because it's not it's just that everything's so coincidental and everyone's like everybody and maybe it's just the show trying to juggle so many characters right now and I think they do it very well for a show that was only like five and a half hours. So I'm not dumping on them for that, but I think maybe it's just me wanting to see more of certain people than others. And I think we have in the notes, like the Kenny and Robbie thing, like I get why they did that, but that's a whole nother storyline that they have to carry. And it it paid off and it was a good storyline, but it's like another thing that, that you were paying attention to. And it's like, wait, then it jumps to Tori and, and Daniel's wife. And then it jumps to like all of that. And I think sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but Maybe I'm just being a little unfair. The theme that I extract from this show, and this may just be my conjecture, but the theme I extract is relating to those parallels and relating to Daniel and Johnny is that it's like the line in You're the Best Around, history repeats itself. And I think the theme is if we do not pay attention to that fact and we do not learn from that and learn to communicate more effectively like Daniel and Johnny learning to communicate more effectively with each other when they can, it works. And when they can't, it all falls apart. You know, we're never going to get anywhere. So that's the larger theme that I take. And so when we start to see that multiplying on itself, where now Robbie is the mentor to Kenny and then who knows season six, Kenny is a mentor to someone else. You know, like, I don't know if it's going to go that deep, but once we start to see that become like this exponential parallel, like infinite, time loop mirror thing i think that's where i really just pick up on that larger theme of what i think the show is trying to convey 
Okay, so let me ask you guys, uh, because we kind of touched on this a couple times. Do you think Cobra Kai as a series could be an hour-long show instead of a half hour? Could it be hour-long episodes, do you think? Yeah, I think it would breathe more. Honestly, I think it would. Like, they'd have more time to do that. And I think some things do feel a little rushed sometimes just because they don't have enough time. You know, so I think it could. It would definitely benefit more. If you're going to have this many characters and this many story arcs, it almost does the do does all the characters a disservice to only allow 30 or 35 minutes because you're kind of wanting more from everything. Or you're kind of saying, oh, they're, tr- they're trying to shoehorn this in. If they just dropped it all together, it would make for a cleaner episode. Well, aside from dropping something that could potentially be good, there's the other option of making it 45 minutes or, or you know 49 minutes, which a lot of Netflix shows are. So I, I totally agree. I, I do think that it, it would totally benefit from a longer runtime. Yeah, I think I agree with that too. I I just did a video on episode two and uh, episode two is like a really interesting, good episode. I really enjoyed it and it was it was really stripped down. It didn't have a lot of the characters. You didn't have any of, hardly any of the Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang students. You didn't have many of the other, other characters. It just focused on a few characters, the new character of Kenny. And it was like an episode where you had time to... You know, you know, the characters had time to breathe and uh, it felt good. And that's what made me think, well, could this just be longer if we had more time for for all these characters? Yeah. Well, it's like when people were like, <laughs> Bad and I always joke about this, right? Like he talks about movies are too long and stuff, but it's like, if I like this show, you could make it eight hours long. I don't care, right? Like with the new Batman movie that's coming out, it's like, oh, people are like, oh my God, how's it going to be three hours? I'm like, it should be 30 hours. I'll watch the whole thing. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, just make it as long as you want. As long as it's good, like, I don't care. And I think these guys have proven that they can do a good job. And like, you watch a show like Lost, which is very character driven, right? Some people love that show. Some people hate it. But each episode sort of focused on like a key set of characters and their backstory. And I'm not saying they should do this, but I think that's proof that when you really focus, and I think your example of episode two is a really good one, you have time to focus on something versus sort of like ping ponging between other things. And it's not like any of these storylines are bad either. I think they're all good. Like, I don't think that there's a lot in this show that's like, man, they should have cut that or whatever. I think if anything, it's like, oh, you should add more of that. Give it a more of a mm. chance, you know? So it's, it's more along the lines of you see the runtime of the episode and you see a storyline that maybe isn't your favorite, but is also a good storyline. Like for, for example, the Kenny storyline, I think it's a good storyline. It wasn't one of my favorites far from it, from the, from the season, but you're looking at the runtime, you're looking at the clock. It's like, oh man, they're spending more time on Kenny. They're not really doing a whole, well, whole lot with this character now yeah they're wasting time that they could be using on some of the more important storylines but that would be eliminated with a longer episode i i think it would also benefit them just from an awards standpoint because right now they're locked into this half hour comedy kind of archetype in terms of awards where they should be recognized as a show that does more than that and isn't just Mm -hmm. a pure comedy. And because it's a half hour, it's never really going to be recognized as that. And it should be, honestly. I think there's some great writing. There's some great acting. There's some great action. I think this has everything, you know, that you would want out of like, like a, like a big budget action movie condensed into a half hour Netflix show with 10 episodes a season. I honestly think, yeah, if if they went to an hour, I wouldn't bat an eye. And I know, you know, no true Cobra Kai fan really would because we just want more and more and more and more. I was was just going to say, like, I think, and maybe this is a way we can sort of wrap it up, but I feel like, you know, 
this show has no business being as good as it is, honestly. Like, and I'll give you a good example. Like, I I think I was on Peacock the other day and I wanted to watch that Saved by the Bell reboot. And I just put it on. And like within five minutes, I was like, I, I just can't get into this. Like, I just was not into it. And I probably, like, I'm the demographic for that show. Like, I would like that show. And maybe I just wasn't in the mood. Maybe I wasn't. But like from the minute I watched this show, it hooked me. And they just do such a good job of honoring like the legacy of the characters, but also making something new and fresh. And maybe there's stuff in here that maybe people don't like the younger kid storylines, but then you still have Daniel and Johnny. Or maybe the people that are newer to the show don't like the Daniel and Johnny stuff, but then you got the younger kids and sort of what's going on there. Like there's something for everybody. And then, you know, to to bring in somebody like Terry Silver and like for better or worse, we've talked at length about this. Like Ralph Macchio talking about, we're going to redeem the crappiness of Karate Kid 3. That's me paraphrasing. But, you know, I I think like the fact that they can sort of do that and do it justice and make it as good as it is, honestly, you got to really give people a lot of credit because they've done a really great job of bringing something like this. And you're getting stuff that people since the 80s were like, man, what would it be like if, if Johnny fought Terry Silver? Cool, you got to watch that. You got to see it. Man, what if what if uh you know Johnny and, and Daniel teamed up? Cool, you got to see that too. You want to see what if Mike Barnes comes back? You might be able to see that. What if Mike Barnes meets Johnny? Maybe you see it. Like, but it's not done in a cheap way where it's like, oh, they just brought this guy back for no reason. Like they could have really goofed up Terry Silver. They could have made him the comic book villain. They could have made him this joke, and he wasn't. And I think they really did a great job of bringing this back and doing it in a respectful way. So I guess I, I would just ask you guys, if we had to kind of wrap this up, where do you think season four ranks for you? If you had to kind of look at all the seasons and I don't know, I'm curious what your overall ranking is. If you're not, if you're not sure, like, where do you think this is? Is it at the top? Is it in the middle? Like, I mean, I could tell you what mine is, but Ken, let's start with you. What do you think? Oh, geez. That's a great question. I think season four for me is my second favorite season. So my favorite is going to be season one. I, I thought season one was just, just absolutely perfect, just perfect in tone. Just everything was balanced so well. Um, I could watch season one endlessly. And season four, I think, is right behind season one. I think for the reasons we're talking about, it does feel like there's so much going on that it can't breathe like season one did. And then probably after that, I'd go season three and then season two. But I yeah. like them all. Yeah, they're all great. What about you, Chris? I kind of don't count because every new season I watch becomes my favorite. And it's, yeah, it's a total <laughs> recency bias. I, I have to reevaluate after the show is done. Um, I can already confirm that this is my favorite show. Um, it, it has toppled Seinfeld and that is no small feat. Yeah, that's, uh, a big, so that's big I'll, shoes to fill. And, and it's really just because I feel, I watch this and I feel rewarded in a way that I don't feel when I watch basically anything else you know of recent vintage so yeah in a way it doesn't have any right to be as good as it is but look at what it's based on it's based on a classic movie like the karate kid versus saved by the bell which is i guess a classic yes. sitcom but yeah there, we're, we're talking about different different levels here um yeah so i don't count but it's my favorite season right now there you go what about you Bowie? I, I agree with ken yeah i'm going four, one four uh, three and two. Yeah, two. Yeah. I felt maybe was the most. I don't know. High school of them all, if, if if it were. But yeah, one was so perfect, and I don't. I don't know how they did it, because nobody knew what to expect when they're like, oh, they're bringing back, they're bringing back Karate Kid for a TV show. 
what's old what's old Johnny Lawrence and old da- old Daniel gonna look like? And the way that, and it really all falls on Johnny, on, on Billy's and how 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 he played that character to perfection was just perfect. And it's it's shown through the rest of the seasons, but really in season one where he's like just picking himself up off the floor, that's just a total piece of shit. But redeeming himself little by little, it's Slick it back. really doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> Slick back, not push back. So yeah. it's <laughs> it's no. I think I I agree with you guys. I I'm gonna be the the person. You know, I I know like we talked about. I think when you and I talked, Chris. I know everybody's favorite movie is Karate Kid 2. It's definitely the best film, but I always love 3 the best. I'm, I'm going to be the guy. This is my favorite just because I'm the insane Terry Silver fanboy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I can't even hide it. But I, I would say 4, 1, 3, 2. And I agree with your opinion on 2. Like, it had a little bit too much of the high school drama for me. I like that aspect of it, but it was a little too much. It was a little over the top. But I think that season 1, it's, it's a toss-up between 4 and, and 1 to me. Like I've just been anticipating the moments of season four since season one, so it's hard for me to not get too excited about that paying off. But I don't know; it's it's hard. I think they're all really good, and and yeah, it's fair because four might be the most well made season, and just the the patience and the pace of it, and and the the, the slow burn of of the Terry in the background was really um, beyond expectations to the point where. It 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 like we talked about earlier. It kind of fooled me. I was kind of like, "What's going on with Terry?" And it was I, I got played, man. I got played, and, <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier to be played because it all worked out in the end, and it's totally worth it. Congratulations, bad way you played yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Knowing that we live in a world now where there's a, a an actual silver ponytail, like a literal silver ponytail, by the man, the myth, and the legend himself, he's grown into his own name. I can gratefully say that the world is a better place. So (laughs) 2020 was not the best year. 2021 was not the greatest year for a lot of people, but you know, damn it. We got, we got the return of Terry silver and who can be mad about that. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to say here. We could sit here and debate about season five, but you know, who knows? Nobody knows what's going to happen. We'll see. I'm sure we'll, we'll be tweeting about it and talking about it, but I just want to thank Chris and, and Ken for coming on the show and you just really appreciate you guys taking a time out of your schedules to, to talk some Terry silver with us and, and join us on the last row podcast. So I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add or, or if you guys want to plug your, uh, your channels again, but definitely thank you guys for spending, spending the time talking about this as the Terry silver brain trust here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And, um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube. Um, Ken Cole is the name of my channel. Social media, I'm Kenergy Cole. And uh, if if you like Coles and if you like Tom Cole and Terry Silver, check out Cobra Cole. That's uh, on my YouTube channel. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Definitely check it out. Thank you so much uh, for having me on again. It's it's really not every day that you get to be on one of your favorite podcasts. Uh, twice no less. Um, and then get to also meet one of your favorite YouTubers in the process. So this is, this is <laughs> oh, awesome. It, it, it's a pleasure. It's a privilege. Uh, Ken, your work on Terry Silver is like parallel to Brene's, Brene Brown's work on vulnerability. So uh, <laughs> that's, it, it, it really hits me uh, where I live. I don't have anything to plug. So I'm just going to plug uh, some of my other favorite Cobra Kai content creators, Cobra Kai Companion, Cobra mm. Kai Kid, Cobra Kai Nation, Are you karate kidding me? All great. Check them out. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Ken, you're fantastic as usual. Uh, great to uh, share the mics with you again. And Chris, meeting you for the first time. It's been a pleasure. This is your second time on our show, trying to shoehorn in and steal my spot. I get it. Drew's going <laughs> to replace me way. any day now. And you, and uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him if, if, if he kicked me out. And you in, so. I'm playing that Terry Silver long game. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Good patience. Good patience by you. He's but, my uh, weakness. Fan, yeah. Fantastic job, both of you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's been a pleasure. I think the cops are at my door over here, by the way. So, you know, they're going to carve me out in handcuffs. They call that always drinking champagne over they there. They call that doxing. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. If you, you are looking for our website, check out thelastrowpodcast.com. Leave a comment on the episode's page. Let us know how you liked Cobra Kai season four. Send us a tweet at the last row podcast or at the last row pod. Check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the last row pod. And if you're enjoying this and you're enjoying some of the bonus episodes, maybe we'll have some more coming your way. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. And on that note, we'll be back probably when, I don't know when we're going to publish this, so I'm not going to commit to a date, but we'll We'll be back on a regular schedule and we'll see you guys real soon. See ya. See ya. So, Bowie, would you download that mindfulness app? Uh, I mean, of course. I mean, anything with Terry Summers' name, I fully trust. I'm living in a world where I'm just putting my life in his hands nothing can go wrong. I feel like he has my best interest in interest. <laughs> Even if a man can't stand, he can meditate. <laughs> there <laughs> it is. <laughs>